Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of The Gunshot. My name is Grant Gunn. I am joined with my sister, Lauren. We are Monday, right before free agency starts. Uh, the offseason is in full swing. There is no shortage of drama to dive into, and we are here to break down it all. Uh, like we said, we're recording this Monday, a free agency week. It's about 5.30 p.m. Uh, a lot is still going to play out over the next five days before things get going on Thursday, but we wanted to start by talking about it all. So. Off the top, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving uh, and the situation with the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, this is probably going to be the most widely followed issue over the offseason, at least over the next few days. Um, to lay the groundwork, Kyrie Irving has a player option for $36.5 million um, with a deadline to opt in uh, Wednesday around 5 Eastern time, I believe. So he's got about 48 hours from the time we're recording this to make a decision. Um, obviously, there have been rumors today. Uh, I, I believe Woj reported that Kyrie is willing to decline the player option and sign the $6 million MLE to join the Lakers. Uh, it sounded like he is also pursuing sign and trade options with his agent. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but Lauren, I, I want to ask you right off the top. Um, how do you see this Kyrie Irving situation playing out? Are, are there too many variables to even make a call? Like what are your thoughts right off the top? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very fascinating. I think um, initially I was like, man, that's a lot of money for for Kyrie to turn down. And in all and in, in all seriousness, what is the incentive for him to decline the player option? Like, I mean, if they are so dead set, and there, I mean, there were reports coming out today with Joseph Sai saying, or he didn't directly say it, but there were people covering the situation and saying that he is so over this situation and that they would rather lose both than have to continue going. Uh, it, like continue with this situation and having it continue to unfold and, and go the wrong direction. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, if I'm Kyrie, why not essentially opt in and call their bluff? Because if there's, if that's really how they feel, why not call their bluff? And so at the same time, if you do that, the paths after via trade then become even more limited. And for the Lakers to try and do something with Russell Westbrook, because that's what it would have to be. I mean, that becomes very difficult. So if you're Kyrie Irving and you're looking at where do I want my next team to be, if you do want it to be the Los Angeles Lakers, he can opt out, sign that MLE, kind of take the hit for one season and then sign long-term there. And so I think with that being what the reports are saying is most likely, I mean, that makes, that makes sense as far as having more control over your situation. Again, that's a lot of money to leave on the table, but the Lakers just might do it as far as offering him that money if he shows up next season. So there's a lot of ifs involved with Kyrie, but I think as of right now, as much as I would like to see him potentially get that big money from the Knicks, uh, I think it's just most likely that he ends up playing for the Los Angeles Lakers for six and a half million dollars next season. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed, though. I disagree, and I don't think there's a world that he plays next year for $6 million. Uh, I want to mm -hmm. dive into the Knicks situation, obviously, in a second, um, because that's an interesting piece to that and has some Mavs uh, ramifications as well. Mm -hmm. um, but Kyrie is looking to play for his third team, and I believe it's five years now um, since he's left Cleveland. He's played for Boston. I think that was the 2017-2018 mm -hmm. offseason, though it may have been 18-19. I can't remember. It's been five five years, roughly. And this is going to be his third team next year because it sounds like 
uh, he won't be playing in Brooklyn. Um, so what, what's fascinating to me is that this guy, I mean, has had controversy follow him from the second he's got to Boston all the way till now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say he's going to be out of the league anytime soon. I think Kyrie has a place right. in this league, but based on talent alone, obviously, uh, that's not a hot take by any means. But if he spends another year with some new controversy, whatever it is, maybe he goes to LA and just refuses to defer to LeBron or whatever it may be, or disagrees with the coach or doesn't play because of vaccine laws, whatever they may be. Um, like there's, there's a hundred different reasons Kyrie could not choose to play because he's Kyrie and nobody knows what's going on inside of his head. But mm-hmm. if, if somebody or, or all, if all the teams are watching him next year and something similar happens, um, I think it could be very tough for him to find a long-term place in this league. Mm-hmm. I think he could be bouncing around in these MLEs for the rest of his career if that's something that, that were to happen. And so because of that, I don't think he would risk playing one year on a $6 million deal because I think that's what could happen the rest of his career. I mean, we're seeing John Wall, not quite mm-hmm. the best example, obviously injury. Kemba. Usual. Kemba, that's another great example. Guys who were once worth max money no longer – being there and so i i think his agent if he has any sense and i'm sure he does has got to say Kyrie, i don't care what happens you have to opt into your 36 million dollar deal and we'll figure it out from there because we've talked about how this is a player driven league and i think they'll they'll find a place for him whether that's brooklyn or not um but i think it will have to be at that 36 million dollar number because there's just no way he goes and risks it at six million dollars um that being said, can I can I add to that real quick? Absolutely. If anyone, if there is anyone in this league that is going to bet on themselves and say, "I don't care what anyone says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go win a championship." <laughs> he wanted to play with Anthony Davis when he was in Boston. Yep. I think maybe he thinks the grass is so much greener being back with LeBron, which it might, it probably will be, considering what's gone on in Brooklyn. Um, I think he's sitting there saying, if anyone can handle this gamble, it's me, Kyrie Irving. That's what I was just going to say. I was going to just say. Yeah. That that being said, it is Kyrie Irving and nobody knows what goes through his head. He, he is definitely the one to, to do that. No, you, you absolutely read my mind. So um, I I don't know what, what's going to happen. Woj did tweet today and I find this just absolutely hilarious. He said, ESPN sources, outside of the Lakers, there are no currently known teams planning a pursuit of sign-in trades for Kyrie Irving um, other than the Los Angeles Lakers. And Brooklyn isn't believed to have any interest in the available Lakers package. And I felt like that was the biggest subtweet at Russ Westbrook (laughs) that we have seen. Basically basically saying, hey, the Lakers have offered Russ and Brooklyn said, hell no. (laughs) So... Uh, it's just obviously the the swap of of Kyrie Russ is fascinating to get a Russ KD reunion in Brooklyn, a LeBron Kyrie Irving in LA. Um, obviously the, that has its own storylines, and as an mm-hmm. NBA fan, I am here for it. Um, but I definitely understand why Brooklyn's would not pursue that route. But I just thought that was hilarious. Woj basically came out and all but said, yeah, Russ for Kyrie isn't happening. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I have spent a good part of this afternoon kind of playing with the Kyrie opt-in sign and trade situations or uh, scenarios, and it's not easy. It is not easy. I keep coming back to Charlotte potentially taking on Russell Westbrook, 
I've looked at OKC potentially taking on Russell Westbrook. I very quickly was like, not going to happen with OKC. I just can't see it. So I keep going back to Charlotte with the Gordon Hayward contract, with the interest in Russ. And it is very, very difficult because a lot of times what ends up happening is Brooklyn is just, they're not getting anything back. And so what I keep coming back to is, okay, if you're taking back, because Gordon Hayward has two years remaining on his deal, would you really want to take back Gordon Hayward as a part of the package? Plus like young guys, maybe if you're getting like James Booknight, um, Taylor Horton Tuck, like the package that you're getting back is very underwhelming. And so on one hand, I'm like, what? Like, no, but at the same time, Kyrie opts out. I mean, this is, it's a player option. It's up to Kyrie, but you would probably rather have those young guys and deal with Gordon Hayward on your books for two years. If it means getting something over nothing, assuming Kyrie leaving means KD is leaving as well, because at that point, I think you can rack up a bunch of picks and a bunch of young assets, maybe not a bunch for Kyrie, but definitely, I mean, God only knows what this potential KD package is going to get, but with Kyrie specifically opting in and then trading him, the options are are very, very limited for him and for the rest of the league. So I, and I don't know how many teams would be inclined to do the Lakers any favors by helping them offload Russell Westbrook, unless they're getting a significant amount of picks and the Lakers just don't have picks. And and I'm sorry, Taylor Norton Tucker is just not, eh, you know what I'm going to say. So yeah. I just, it's very <laughs> complex. It's very complex. Yeah. I think it's fascinating to watch um, where Russ could end up. I almost feel like if, if Russ get, gets moved from LA, which at the beginning of this off season felt like it would be kind of inevitable. Um, mm-hmm. and, and now things seem to have slowed down there. Um, I, I don't know what that will look like, but, obviously this Kyrie domino has to fall first. Mm-hmm. Um, you started to touch on this KD package a little bit. I want to talk about the, the ramifications that this Kyrie move has on Brooklyn and KD. Um, I have got to imagine there's no world Brooklyn trades Kevin Durant because he's Kevin Durant and you just can't trade one of the top three best players in the league. But it's a player-driven league. You yeah, know teams exactly. are going to come calling. Um, and and so I just can't I with without any certainty we can't sit here and say this X Y and Z is going to happen. Um, as much as I think Kyrie is trying to leverage this situation, I think the Nets are trying to do the same thing um, by saying that they will trade um, that the, that they're not afraid of of moving on from both Kyrie and Durant uh, because they the, the truth is they've got KD signed for four more years. The guy's a basketball nut, and if you have him under contract, I believe he would play for anybody in the league. Uh, now, obviously, he wants to play in a big market like Brooklyn. He chose to come here for a reason. Um, but the dude's just a basketball nut. And so um, I, I don't know what this is going to look like. Lauren, I want to I get your thoughts on that. And then I want to throw something out kind of else that, that's developed today. So first, give me your thoughts on, on the KD scenario. Yeah, I mean, the KD thing, I, I'm like, I'm excited even thinking about it because I think it's going to be such madness like I remember not to go way off subject but some of these massive trade packages that we've woken up to or seen in the past I think this compared to that would just make it look like such small potatoes it's going to be absolutely insane um but I do think if Kyrie's out of there Katie's out of there because he's either leaving for nothing or he's playing with Russell Westbrook or Gordon Hayward like or Tobias Harris. no I'm just kidding that that last one's not gonna happen but (laughs) I mean, I absolutely think KD is out of there because he knows he can throw his weight around and he knows he can play 
the same way LeBron can, he can choose pretty much whatever team he wants to play for. It's going to make, they're going to make it happen. And so I firmly believe if Kyrie's gone, which it certainly looks like he is, uh, KD will be gone shortly thereafter. But what then follows that is, okay, who in their right mind is going to be able to put something together for Kevin Durant? And I just, I look and I look and I just keep coming back to Miami to Miami and Golden State are the two, are the two that I, oh, oh, excuse me, and Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix is the big one, because the DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges plus stuff is incredibly fascinating, especially with, and I sent it to you earlier this afternoon, with the the gambling odds shifting Phoenix. So, uh, so before you go, that's the second time that you've beaten me to something. I was oh, sorry. To you. No, no, no. We we are definitely on the same wavelength here. I sent you a tweet earlier today just talking about the DeAndre Ayton odds. The Nets went from plus 6,000 to plus 2,200 mm-hmm. um, over the course of this afternoon. I believe the odds have even improved um, that, that Ayton's next team, if it's not the Phoenix Suns next season, will be the Brooklyn Nets. And I sent that to you and I was like, is this suggesting that Aiden is going to be swapped for Kyrie? Why would Phoenix do that? That doesn't make any sense. And then you immediately responded and said, I think this is referring to a KD swap or a KD movement after mm-hmm. the rough, or yeah. after the Kyrie domino falls. And I had not even considered that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there were discussions that KD was on the move, but it was so fascinating that that was, I think, where everybody's mind uh, was going. And so that is is an absolutely fascinating package. Obviously, Brooklyn has... Ben Simmons still under contract. I know the perception of him is that he is washed, uh, but I think most general basketball minds would like to think he still can provide you something to help win games. Um, so that's something to build around for Brooklyn at the very least. Um, so Lauren, let's, let's kind of kick around some, some Phoenix ideas here. You started talking about a Bridges, Aiden, and stuff. What right. does and stuff look like for this to be something that Brooklyn actually <sighs> considers? So, well, the fact that you're already getting Aiton and Mikhail Bridges is what really is fascinating about the Phoenix Suns package, uh, because you you know, you absolutely know KD is going to give a list, and Phoenix is going to be on that list, hands down, no doubt about it. And so you look at what they can, and they can give you what a lot of these teams can, that could, will likely be on his list, what they can't, and that's two very very solid promising young players oh boy i'm seeing your eyes go up what do yeah, we got so you're, you're seeing me read my phone because uh shams just tweeted um he tweeted a quote from Kyrie. Kyrie has decided to opt in <gasps> oh yep so uh i guess not surprising there he's opting into his 36 37 million dollar player option um i don't think okay let's see Irving is bypassing on multiple opt-in and trade-in scenarios to fulfill his four-year commitment to the Nets and Durant. So this almost sounds like he is committing to Brooklyn for next year, which kind of gives a complete 180 on, on everything we've we've talked to up to this point. Um, can I? Can, are you, have you also read this tweet, this follow-up quote tweet of his his statement? Um, no, I'm Please. only seeing Shams. Let me read it. Let me just read this. <laughs> Kyrie Irving says, normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. I've made my decision to opt in. See you in the fall. A11. <laughs> I mean, 
it could not Good. get more Kyrie. <laughs> there, I'm. There's just. I mean, we heard it from. I gotta say, I gotta give it to him. Let me just. I gotta give it to him. Call their bluff. Why not? Uh, for all the reasons yeah. you said, why not call their bluff? Because the the reality is, and we'll go back to. We'll circle back to Kevin Durant in a second because everything that we're saying is going to become relevant. It might not become relevant by the end of today, but it will absolutely become relevant at at a point in time and so with Kyrie it's not his responsibility to figure out the trade stuff it's not his responsibility so why not take the money and then if they are so dead set on we'd rather have neither of you just so we don't have to experience that again then you figure it out that's not my problem so I mean am I surprised I guess I'm a little surprised I'm not gonna act like I'm I knew this was going to happen because I literally just said that it wasn't going to happen. But I personally, I don't believe by any means him saying see you in the fall means that he'll be wearing a Brooklyn Nets jersey come game one. Yeah, I the, the fascinating thing about Shams's tweet is that he says Irving is bypassing on multiple opt-in and trade scenarios, which imply that there were multiple out there, which I don't know that mm-hmm. is necessarily the case. But he says to fulfill his four-year commitment to the Nets and Kevin Durant. I just, that is fascinating to me because like this whole past year was thrown out because James Harden didn't want to want to be there and put up with it. And, and maybe fairly so um, Mm -hmm. because Kyrie was, was saying, no, I'm good. I don't want to play half the games because of the vaccine. And obviously that is his right, but it costs the the Nets a, a shot at a championship coming off the year before that when Harden, Irving and Durant only played a total of like eight games together. And Mm -hmm. so like when they needed cohesion the most, Irving just like threw that out the window. And so Harden said, you know what? I'm good. I've had enough. I'm out. Um, And so it's fascinating to watch Durant um, have to kind of sit on the sidelines. Obviously he's been very quiet during all of this. Um, I, I don't even know where to go. Can I, can I add something to, your point about Shams word choice saying yeah. Irving is bypassing multiple opt-in and trade scenarios yeah. doesn't say anything about what Joseph Sy is deciding on yeah. this opt-in Very in the nets. So I, I think there's more to this. I really, it's also very difficult for me to imagine Kevin Durant, who is, I mean, after getting, they got swept this year. So if there's any sort of, friction is 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 well friction could be the right word next year if there's a, if there are any sort of problems questions with Ben Simmons which I think we all have questions with Ben Simmons yep. and you got Kyrie doing anything other than being locked in and available for every single game you could have a real big problem real fast which is why we might see this get dragged out I give it a year max if they really decide to go through this and give it one more you know, college try. <laughs> there's just, there's no way it lasts longer than one year. And and that's just my personal opinion. Uh, but I'll be very fascinated to see how the Nets come back to this because I mean, you and I have been talking all day about, is this leverage? What kind of, what are, what are the implications of this? And this could absolutely be Kyrie kind of calling bluffs. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking more NBA offseason rumors, all of that. Fun. All righty, welcome back. Uh, so, to kind of continue our conversation on on Kevin Durant and how this this fits, um, you talked about this 
being a very fluid situation, thinking that uh, maybe this goes a year at best mm-hmm. um, in, in Kyrie's final year. I don't think we're going to see Brooklyn extending Kyrie anytime soon. Um, so where do things stand with KD? Do you think he, regardless of how this goes, just sees the writing on the wall and says, you know what, I want out? Um, we, we started talking about Aiden. What does that mean for Phoenix? Does, mm-hmm. Is this something that's still possible, still likely, or do you think everybody's kind of in a holding pattern until Brooklyn comes out and says, yes, we're moving forward with Kyrie this year and hope to work things out, whatever that may be, or trade him, whatever that may look like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very tough to try and predict what's going to happen, but based off of all the reports that have continued to come out over time on this situation, I it, it's very clear that the front office is, is tired of this situation. Um, but on, on that following up that before I keep going on the other list of potential problems here um the front office might be saying well would we rather try and make it work with Kyrie if it means we get to keep Kevin Durant for you know as long as we can make it last right um continuing on the list Steve Nash has got to be long over this situation because of how it's just This is probably not at all what he thought he was signing up for. Not probably, surely not at all what he thought he was signing up for. And then lastly, you have Kevin Durant. How much patience does he have left? And so the reason I said, you know, before we cut to break was even though Kyrie just opted in, I think everything we've been saying up to this point on how it affects Kevin Durant still applies. And the only thing that has shifted is Phoenix and how they are now going to plan for this situation. Because I said it, I believe that maybe everything goes right. You get one more year out of this Kyrie, um, Kyrie, Kevin Durant duo. Um, But for Phoenix specifically, the whole DeAndre Ayton of it all and Mikhail, I mean, you're still going to have Mikhail Bridges and he's still going to be on a good contract. He's still going to be a good player, but DeAndre Ayton, that's a big, there's a big, uh, there's a lot of questions surrounding that as the offseason has kind of already started and, and moves have already been made. The list of DeAndre Ayton suitors has shrunk and it got it was reported. I don't remember exactly who reported it, um, but they were saying that it's not necessarily a done deal that Ayton is gone. There's a chance that he could come back. And so if you're Phoenix, are you saying, hey, it might be in our best interest to one, not let a former first round pick walk for nothing, but first also all pick. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, first overall pick. Um, thank you for correcting me. That's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, not letting him walk for nothing or paying him, and he'll still be va- valuable if you want to trade him down the line, but keeping the option open to try and make a move for Kevin Durant. Because if you look around at the rest of the league, at the teams that will likely be on KD's list and will likely try to put something together, I think the only team that could potentially have multiple young, fascinating players are the Warriors. But even the Warriors don't have proven players that the that the Suns have. They don't have those. They're still very, very young. They just have more of them. And so the rest of the, like Michael Porter Jr. Like, you know, at, at that point you're like, what? And yeah. so Tyler, I think Tyler Hero is a big, big, big one. You know, would you, it's a wings league as Kevin Durant likes to say, or just said the other day, what do you, if you are Brooklyn and you're looking at this, where, where, where do you want to go? And so 
Phoenix, I do think it makes the DeAndre Ayton conversation a lot more interesting and that as the number of suitors has dwindled, it might just be in their best interest to pay him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. I, I don't know what how this is going to play out. I've, I've got to imagine Steve Nash is doing everything he can to get a hold of Kevin Durant right now if he hasn't Absolutely. already since that tweet dropped. Just to say, okay, hey, what is this? What do you feel about this? Do you want to run this back? And if he's getting the the signs from Katie that he's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's put our chips in. Let's see if we can make this work for a year. Then he's getting Kyrie on the phone and saying, okay, hey, we need you to buy in because we've got KD bought in and we're going to have Ben healthy and trying to get all these guys on the same page, hopefully sooner rather than later. later. And if he's getting any indications from KD that he's like, oh, I'm unsure about what this is going to look like. I don't know if I can deal with another year of drama. Then, then things shift and it's like okay well we got to go back to looking for for trade packages for Kyrie uh, and obviously every package you pursue you've got to run by KD because I've got to imagine the best case scenario for them is doing everything they can to keep him on the roster and so that's that's I think where things start um, but I also think Steve Nash being a player having been a player in this league for so long um, can be upfront with KD and say, hey, if at any point you don't want to be here, just say the word and we'll we'll go down that route. But otherwise, they're going to do what they can to to make it work. So I think having Steve Nash benefits them in this situation, but I just don't know what's going to look, what things are going to look like um, moving forward. As far as Aiton goes, um, I think at the beginning of the offseason, somebody tweeted, I can't remember who, but it was like most, many people believe DeAndre Aiton's played his last game in a Phoenix jersey. Uh, and people talked about Detroit being a probable landing spot. Uh, and then this Kyrie news dropped, and it's like, oh, here's another landing spot. Well, with Kyrie opting in, with the Pistons drafting Jalen Duran, like all of these open landing spots don't look so open for him anymore. And so I think what you're talking about of him playing another year um, in a Suns jersey makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I, I don't have any other options to, to kind of lay out for, for either Durant or Aiden. I think right now we're kind of, in a holding pattern, waiting to see if anything else develops with Kyrie. Um, but moving forward, you touched a little bit on Bridges a little bit, and, and this is Miles Bridges out of Charlotte. Now, uh, it was reported today that um, as of now, when Horst said that the Hornets are not planning on offering him a max contract, I think there was an, an Instagram video or something that, that Miles said, um, either they're offering the max or we're going to Detroit or something like that. And it just is, that kind of seems to be the writing on the wall is miles is looking to get paid. And mm -hmm. obviously whether or not he deserves a max is, is a different debate. He was a 20 point per game score, seven rebounds, uh, obviously incredibly valuable to uh, this young core in Charlotte. Uh, but this, this is another fascinating scenario. Is this guy worth a max? Charlotte definitely doesn't want to get the reputation of not offering guys the max who who deserve it Kemba being the most notable guy that they let walk mm -hmm. uh, and I will say in, in hindsight that looks to be like a, a decent decision but a lot a lot of things to play out with this Miles Bridges situation um, so Lauren you touched on a couple options for him what do you think things look like for him? yeah I mean oh god it's it's very this is another one that has a, a bunch of layers because Miles um the max that they can offer him, I believe was like five for 173. Like 173. Yeah. That's a lot of money. But like you said, you do not want to be the team that don't, that won't pay guys because when you're a middle market team, even though like 
it doesn't matter that Michael Jordan is there. You're already having trouble getting stars there. You have a guy like LaMelo Ball. And I believe there have been times where or there earlier this uh, this year, he he said something along the lines of once they give me the keys, you know, well, I'll take it to a whole nother level. And so it already kind of seems like there's a little bit of something going on. And if you let go of LaMelo's, you know, best friend and Miles Bridges, like that's, it's just, there are some problems going on over there. And so if you're looking at doing some sort of sign and trade, that's where you get pennies on the dollar back. And right now you just, I mean, Miles Bridges took a step forward last season. And so to not pay him, even if it might be deemed an overpay just to retain him and keep building on what you've already got. And the alternative being losing him either for nothing or for a sign and trade that gets you pennies on the dollar. Like that's a really bad look for Charlotte at the same time. It certainly seems like that's where we're headed, that he is not going to be playing for Charlotte next season. And so Detroit has said there was a report today that Detroit is not necessarily looking to add Aiton and is not necessarily looking to add Bridges. And they're looking to add veteran role players and guys that can continue to just try to round out this team so that they can stay uh, flexible financially moving forward. And so that, again, we've seen reports come out that could be some sort of misdirection. So you just never know, but it certainly seems like the number of suitors for Miles Bridges are dwindling. And so I'm kind of looking around, you know, the teams that have cap space, are they going to go for Miles Bridges? Knicks? No. Um, Spurs doesn't seem that way, especially if they're looking at trading DeJounte Murray without taking John Collins back. Why would they go pay Miles? That makes no sense. Um, and so a lot of these teams out there, the fit is either not there or they have money and it's more likely that they would go a different direction for either a different position or a different archetype. And so I just don't know where this leaves Miles Bridges. And I do wonder how open Charlotte is to paying him or if at this point, maybe he cannot get the four-year max from another team and considers staying in Charlotte, even if it is not the full max. So it's hard to say, but specifically looking at the suitors out there, I just don't really know that there's a clear path to where he'll end up right now. But I think a lot of these teams out there that could be looking to try and add talent, that he is, he's the guy. He's the guy to potentially go after because his team just doesn't want him, you know? And so if you're willing to put up a little bit of money, then, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for you to get in there and steal someone. I just don't know that he fits any of those teams. Right. I think the biggest piece of leverage that the Hornets do have for them is the fact that he's restricted. Uh, and so in all of this, they, they ultimately have a say on what they decide to pay him. So right. um, he, he can go sign an offer sheet somewhere, um, but then they obviously get the right to match that, assuming they don't work out a sign and trade in the process. So uh, definitely lots of kind of scenarios to play out. I don't see that being a domino that falls super quickly. Um, I don't think so either. But it is just a fascinating. I mean, he's one of those guys. I don't know how big he is. He's like six seven. It uh, basketball reference says six six, but yeah, I was gonna say he to me he feels like one of those six eight wings that you just can't have enough of. Um, And so when you get a young guy like this who's had some experience, like you said, took a huge step forward this past year, um, it feels like that's the perfect kind of guy you want to have. So definitely, definitely fascinating to watch. Lauren, you touched on another kind of big. hot button rumor floating around the NBA right now. And that's DeJounte Murray mm-hmm. uh, it was rumored today that the Spurs and Hawks have kind of advanced in talks 
um, centered, centered a trade around Danilo Gallinari and three first round picks. And obviously the details are still being worked out. This is by no means finalized. Um, but I think the interesting note, and I can't remember who it was, it was Zach Klein, Zach Klein um, mm-hmm. that first reported. And then Jake Fisher kind of confirmed later this afternoon, um, just saying that, that that's kind of what he was hearing as well. It doesn't sound like John Collins is going to be included in a trade like this, which is interesting because we've heard rumors um, of John Collins being shocked and it sounded like he was going to be playing for a new team next year. So mm-hmm. um, to hear that they're making a big move like this and Collins isn't involved is definitely surprising. So Lauren, I want to get your take on this to you. I guess two part question. One, assuming this trade is kind of a done deal, mm-hmm. what are your what are your initial thoughts? Uh, and two, do you think there are other landing spaces out there for Deshante Murray? Um, that yeah, work? yeah. I mean, I think assuming it's a done deal, I think it's a, it's a great move for Atlanta. Getting three first round picks for San Antonio is a good. I mean, that's a fantastic three first round picks is a is a big deal and them not wanting John Collins to me it's it's more about San Antonio not wanting John Collins and going the full hey we just want the picks route um and so for Atlanta specifically I do think DeJounte Murray is a really solid fit I know there have been some out there that have said it's a bad fit DeJounte Murray can't shoot so why would you that's not going to work and three first round picks that's a lot but DeJounte Murray gives you a secondary ball handler um, his numbers were incredible last season. He took a big step forward, averaging 21 points per game, eight rebounds, nine assists, and two steals. How is that not a guy that you want on your team? And so personally, I think he'll be fine. Um, and you can even have Trey Young playing off ball a little bit. And so for, for Atlanta, it's a solid move. For San Antonio, yeah, three picks is great. But I think the fact that it's coming from Atlanta is really huge because Atlanta going into this offseason said everyone's available except Trey Young and um, DeAndre Hunter, which tells you a lot about what's going on inside um, and just the overall stability. And so I expect Clint Capella to be out of there within the next two years. Two years is, I think, a long, like a really, really uh, conservative, I guess, long term. That, that's forever in NBA years. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And so it seems like they really want to give Onyeka Kongwu uh, his shot this year. They've got other, I mean, they just drafted AJ Griffin. They have like guys like Jalen Johnson who just, they haven't really had opportunity to develop. And so I think Atlanta's trying to stay competitive, but they just don't really have a solid grip. And and they're still dealing with Bogdanovich and Gallinari who might be on his way out if this trade goes through, but it's just, there's a little too much. It's not quite right in Atlanta. So if you're San Antonio and you're looking at that situation, uh, I think that that's probably a pretty solid team to be getting three first round picks from. Um, and and the second part of your question, are there any other teams that could be looking to add DeJounte Murray that might come in with a competitive offer? Um, and to me off the top is, is Minnesota because D'Angelo Russell. Oh boy. I mean, he's, I, the dude can get hot and he can pop off for, you know, 40 plus whatever, but I believe it's every single year of his career. He's had a negative net rating on the floor. Um, I heard, I was told that one time I like 90% sure that that's accurate. Uh, but if you can swap out and again, and I'm not suggesting that it's going to be D'Angelo Russell for DeJounte Murray, cause their contracts aren't even insane, but I'm just saying role wise, if you swap out DeJounte Murray for D'Angelo Russell, 
Minnesota is a much better team than they were last year, just because of how DeJounte Murray affects the game from every single uh, aspect, really. And he, he just has so much size. So I would love that move for Minnesota. Minnesota also has three first round picks to offer. Um, and they have young guys that I think that they could offer them. Noel, they have um, Nas Reed. I don't think Jared Vanderbilt would be in there. I don't know that McDaniels would be in there either, but they've got, they've got young guys that I don't think Atlanta does at the same time for San Antonio. To me, there's a lot less, it goes back to there's being a lot less stability within the Atlanta Hawks organization and, and kind of being able to spot that, uh, which is why it does seem like Atlanta could be kind of that lead candidate. And I did look at New York as a potential option because they are trying so hard for that, you know, point guard, but it just looks like, they would probably rather go sign Jalen Brunson outright than give up a bunch of assets to try and land DeJounte Murray. Um, so that kind of rules out the Knicks for me. Yeah, I think the the instability of the Hawks is is what makes those picks so appealing for San Antonio. So I, right. I definitely understand that. Uh, I, I've got to imagine soon we're going to see, I mean, Pop, I don't know how old he is, but we've got to see this San Antonio shift to a new direction. And I don't doubt that he'll be involved maybe in the front office in some way. Uh, but I'm expecting, um, if not this next year, then then the year after will be his final year. So um, definitely an interesting piece of the San Antonio puzzle as well. Uh, so, yeah, can, you, you've got one more thing. Yeah, can I add – I want to add one more team in there that I, I haven't heard them be mentioned yet, but I would love to see them try and get crazy and make something happen, and that's the Washington Wizards because they have got – young players, guys that are very raw. I, Rui Hachimura comes to mind. Denny Avdia comes to mind. Obviously not necessarily the same value, but if they can put together something with picks and have these players that are super young and super versatile, um, maybe they can get in the conversation and maybe there's a sense of urgency to do so, uh, especially considering they do have some decent contracts to to potentially move, to, move around. But then again, you know, I don't know how far along these conversations between the Spurs and the Hawks have gone. Yeah, I think the, the Wizards are a fascinating spot. I think it sounds like Beal's going to be signing his his five-year max extension. Um, so hopefully maybe looking to add another piece like Murray um, to Beal and Porzingis um, could be an interesting fit. So definitely keep an, our eye on that. Uh, Lauren, the last thing you talked about is the Knicks looking for our point guard. And I think this will be the last thing we talk about today. Um, if we didn't talk about the Mavs a little bit uh, and the Jalen Brunson kind of saga, um, I think we'd be doing our, our Mavs kind of pocket of listeners uh, a disservice. So not to beat the horse that has been thrilled to death on Twitter, uh, but I did want to get kind of your thoughts overall on the JB situation. Obviously, the Knicks, like you said, trying to add a point guard. It sounds like there are a lot of things that are up in the air for them, not just um, – all in on Jalen Brunson, but there obviously are a lot of factors around this that it does sound like he is one of, if not the top priority for them. So Lauren, talk, talk to me about your thoughts on where things stand with Brunson. And yeah, I mean, there have been so many different reports. We've heard that Jalen Brunson has told his, some of his teammates that it's all but a done deal. We've heard that the Knicks are gaining serious momentum. So as of right now, I, I don't necessarily think it's one way or the other. I just, I can't really um, sit here and, and, and feel that way. What I, what I do feel like I can kind of get a read on is what both teams have to offer. Um, and I don't, I mean, while the Knicks can clear a bunch of money and go all in for him, 
they can't offer they cannot offer him five years and Dallas can I mean the money that they can throw him it whatever the Knicks throw him is not going to be significantly more to where the offers are not you know competitive and close like it's not like the Knicks can just blow us out of the water uh money wise and so it's really just comes down to is the front office willing to you know pony up and pay and an, an a bunch of money because Jalen Brunson he is unrestricted so it's all on him but the money to me will be competitive and comparable um but it's the situations you know do you want to try and be competing for a championship or do you want to be the number and I don't even that's that's the thing I don't even know that he would be the number one guy right. but you would get to be playing with your dad on the bench. You'd be getting to play for the organization of your godfather and your agent is his, like, that's his son. And so there's just, there are so many family ties there. And so it, to me, it comes down to, do you want to be competing for a championship and stay in your current role as a starter? Or do you want to go be a starter and play for your dad? Because you're not competing for a championship. And I don't even know that it's a done deal that you'd be the number one option there. Um, now or moving forward so that's what it's going to come down to and I think we're just going to have to obviously wait and see but I do feel confident with how can you you know it, it, it's so so hard family ties is such a such a strong thing but right now like if Rick Brunson is has signed a job like he, it's he's going to be there you're probably going to have an, another option if you want to go play for the Knicks how many options do you have to play with a top five player in the NBA, top 10 player in the NBA to compete for a championship. That's very difficult. And so personally, I do think Jalen Brunson will stay. And I do think that he's going to sign the five-year, you know, life-changing contract to continue to have a starting role on a team that's looking to compete for a championship. That's where I'm at right now. Things can always change. But to me, this isn't going to be his only option to go play with his dad. It's not like it's now or never. I think that's still going to be on the table. Uh, and I think he's smart enough to know that players like Luka Doncic don't grow on trees. Yeah, I, th I think you you touch on everything. Uh, we were talking a little bit in a group text with our dad. Uh, <laughs> a lot of these same things today. So I won't, I won't repeat all of it for the same thing. I will just say um, after Jalen Brunson signs his contract, which with, with whatever team that ends up being, um, he will be on JJ Reddick's podcast talking about it because that's what JJ loves to do is get these guys on uh, and talk to these young guys in the league. And I also know that he'll be asking questions like, so why, how'd you come to this decision? Obviously it was not easy. And if it's with the Mavs, things are going to be great. We'll be happy and moving on. Um, if it's with the Knicks, it's going to be fascinating because I expect the Mavs to spin it as, Oh, well, he just wanted to play with his dad. He wanted to play in a bigger role, whatever it may be. Uh, be, because the Mavs will refuse to admit that it was about the money, if that is the case. Um, and if that is the case, if it truly comes down to the money and the Mavs just were not willing to offer, I think a, a lot of the Mavs faithful will be upset that, that the Mavs didn't pony up. Um, I'm sure most people know it is not Jalen Brunson or XYZ players through free agency. It is Jalen Brunson or nothing. That's kind of what we're at. We have a roster spot with the MLE. We have a trade exception that we can potentially absorb a player into that isn't massive. Um, this is really the, the move, the last move to, to really be made for, for the Mavs this offseason. Um, so, yeah, if it's about the money, I will be very upset if Jalen Brunson is not on our team. 
if it if it becomes about the role and playing for your family, like I get it. Go go enjoy that. Go get your money. I wish you all the best. But I want to hear that from Brunson mm-hmm. and not the Mavs front office, which is why I'll be listening to the first podcast he shows up. I assume <laughs> it will be on JJ Reddick's podcast because they've they have a bit of a friendship. He's he's a bit of a recurring guest. Um, so that that's where it will be for me. I want to hear from Brunson if he chooses the Knicks, why? And I expect JJ JJ to ask. What was Dallas's offer? Was it comparable? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what kind of answer Brunson would give. I don't know what to expect, but those are the things I'll be waiting for. And I, like I said, I hope he's a Dallas Maverick and this is not a issue at all. Um, so Lauren, my closing question to you, as far mm-hmm. as Brunson goes, if you had to put a confidence meter that he will be a map next year, what percentage would you put it at? I'm going to give it like a, like a, a smooth 77. Like, you know, just for, just for kicks, I'm, it's gotta be in the seventies. I gotta, I gotta say it's because you can't really predict family ties, but I want to add that. I don't think that there's a walkaway number for Dallas. You have to, you have to like, you just got to do it. You know what I mean? You're at the point where you kind of blew it by, we all have heard the offers that were on the table in the past and that didn't happen. And now we're in this situation, but I want to draw it back to this isn't just Mark. You know what I mean? A lot of it is Mark, but Nico, Nico has been putting his money where his mouth is. Like this man is not out there making moves that we're all looking at with big question marks. You know, he's, he's getting out there. And and I think in the past we might've, I don't know that. I mean, in the, with this past regime going out and making that Christian wood trade, I think would have floored just about everyone. And so the fact that Nico came in and was able to execute something like that and then still trade back into the draft, still come away with a draft pick for a guy who was expected to potentially go in right outside the lottery. Like he is aggressive. He's being aggressive right now. And so his voice with this front office, with Jason Kidd in there as a part of this, you know, nucleus um, and the relationship that Jason Kidd and Jalen Brunson have developed. I really am finding it hard to imagine that, they are going to, ha- you know, not give him the offer that it would take to get him to stay. Because at that point, if you're offering him a five-year, nearly the same amount that New York is offering him annually, and you're offering him a position to compete with a championship, I just don't know how you can turn that down to go play for your dad with all the family ties, because that will at the same, like that will still be on the table. So that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Absolutely. Well, that's going to bring us to a close on another edition of The Gunshot. We appreciate you all joining us. Uh, we will be back breaking down all these dominoes as they fall throughout the offseason. Uh, we've got a lot of drama to unfold. This is the league that never sleeps. Uh, truly cannot get enough of it. It is the best. So we'll be seeing you in the future. Thanks for stopping by.